0: Welcome back, everybody. I have a distinct pleasure of speaking to yet another Canadian actors. I love Canada, yay Canada. Uh, by the way, I've noticed that people are starting to say that I I sound like I'm Canadian now because I've noticed myself that when I'm saying sorry, it, I, I, I almost uh, did it, but it starts sounding with, with the Canadian pronunciation. So uh, I think more than a third of the people that I've interviewed are either from Toronto or Vancouver. So please welcome another one who, Actually, represents kind of both Toronto and Vancouver. Hamza, yes.
1: thank you again for having me, Alan. Absolute pleasure, and I can see the slight Canadianisms in the way that you speak, which is great. Um, where are you from? Were you, you're in Chicago. Were you always there?
0: No, no, I, I immigrated from Ukraine when I was a kid. I was 14 when I came, and nice. um, yeah, it's uh, I've never you know. I've been to Canada many times, but uh, I've, I've been told, like, are you Canadian? Nope. Yeah, uh, yeah. I used to work for a Canadian company for, for a number of years. Uh, Cognos was the Canadian company IBM purchased it a while ago. They were based in Ottawa. Uh, I think they still have uh, quite a big uh, presence in Ottawa. So I spent you know, a lot of time with that company, not in Ottawa, but people uh, made assumptions that I'm Canadian. And now... So it's because, because i you're polite, my friend.
1: It's because you got good energy. Anyone who's got good energies, polite, says they're sorry it's the way that we do, you're Canadian instantly.
0: <laughs> and, and I love Canadian shows. Kim's Convenience is one of my favorite comedies. Awesome. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love Schitt's Creek, so I am you know, I might as well be Canadian. I, I'll certainly take that honorably. There is space for you up here whenever you decide to move on up. Thank you. And a lot of my shows, my favorite shows are shot in Canada, or were shot in Canada, uh, yeah. and you get to be a part of it, especially in Vancouver. I love it. And yeah. let's talk about one of those. Uh, now it's on Hulu. October 16th is when it came out. I hope everybody is checking it out. Another Marvel Universe edition. It's Hellstrom. Yes, so yeah. uh, you're recurring on Hellstrom, is that correct?
1: That is correct. I get a couple fun episodes in their 10-episode uh, arc.
0: Very nice. I think three is so far what's, what's shown on IMDb. So uh, hopefully you're you're in a bunch more there. Um, How has the show been going? It's uh, I'll, I'll gladly uh, well gladly for those people who care about it. I'm sorry, but uh, horror is not my genre. I love Marvel. Horror is not me. <laughs> I'm, I'm having enough uh, a hard of a time watching Westworld, which is no. not
1: horror,
0: but no. just you know that that suspense and some of the things that's that's like probably my level that I don't want to cross so yeah. I've watched the trailers for Hellstrom it looks really interesting uh, right. in terms of uh, a cool family drama but yeah. the, the horror stuff just I, I have a drama already <laughs> yeah I mean we just passed spooky season October
1: it came out of the perfect time for people that are fans of the horror genre and the thriller genre to give it a shot so I love it I personally love horror I've loved horror since I can, my earliest memories. And I, I love the genre so much too, because they never stop coming up with fresh and original ways to scare you. I uh, recently went to go see the chain, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the drive in theater, Twilight Theater here in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, and that's, this is a film that came out in like the 80s, and it was revolutionary in the way and the things that it was doing when it first came out. And then I saw it for the first time here in 2020, and I it did not translate at all for me. I was watching it and I was laughing. It was comical to me for, for the most part. I mean, there was a 10 minute scene where the lead was running around trying to avoid the Texas Chainsaw guy and he's barely catching up to her and just missing her. But, and she's just screaming hysterically and that lasted for 10 minutes, I kid you not. So wow. horror has come such a long way with what we were, uh, what we first got to see sort of in the 80s with all, all the really classic, horror genre movies that came out and then now you fast forward to 2020 and you see things like uh, Hellstrom that comes out and it's very deliberate with their scares and they're very um, back in the day it was we want to show you everything we want to make it as real as possible and keep the camera just rolling whereas Mm -hmm. now I think it's more deliberate it's we're going to build up the anticipation we're going to build up the suspense and then something's going to hit you but it's not going to hit you when you think it's going to hit you it's gonna hit you when you least expect it, and that's what I love about horror.
0: <laughs> and that's the part that freaks me out the most. So they're they're doing a great job. <laughs> Just that's one of the reasons why I don't go there. Um, yeah. It's it's true. Um, you know, arachnophobia still uh, is is fresh in my mind. And such I'm, a classic film. I know, man. I I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm a chicken. You know what? I, I'm I'm scared of spiders and snakes and gators and sharks. Yes. and I have an
1: interesting story about arachnophobia that I'll, I'll bore you with real quick. But mm-hmm. that movie has, I think, affected me with some sort of phobia, not with spiders, but mm-hmm. with with bubbles and dots. Now, mm-hmm. if I see a bunch of bubbles it, really close together or a bunch of dots or if I see like 100,000 ants just walking together, even thinking about it makes me itchy. And I'll constantly just start itching and try and get it out of my head um i got that because when i was young and i watched arachnophobia for the first time Mm -hmm. those were they weren't about radioactive spiders they were about scary poisonous spiders and then when they would bite you you would look down to where they bit you and your arm would almost turn into like oatmeal right Mm -hmm. that was the effect that they use and then you would die and i would look at that as a kid and it creeped me out so much and it's followed me into my adulthood just as a random arachnophobia (laughs) fact
0: I'm I'm very sorry about that. Do you do you eat oatmeal? <laughs> do you take you, bubble baths? You. Or those things uh, are all?
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, bubbles are in my life quite a bit, but uh, you just kind of learn to live with it. I've learned to live with this oh, with this God. horrible, horrible affection.
0: <laughs> this is, you know, the the uh, um, um, the reason why I prefer a pool to uh, to open water is because I'm still afraid of sharks. So like these movies did a number on me. <laughs> I don't want any more things that freak me out. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what I found fascinating kind of uh, doing my research on you is that from an acting perspective, as an actor, by the way, I would love to be in a horror film because I think that would be fun. I just yeah. you know wouldn't want to be surprised as a, as a viewer, as an actor who knows what's coming, that would be fun. Uh, what was it like for you as an actor especially knowing that you love horror Mm -hmm. it was it was honestly a dream come true i
1: adored it um just the fact that i got it it was i've worked in the horror genre before i had done a movie maybe five years ago called bed of the dead uh Mm -hmm. and it was a fun indie i shot over in toronto and that was great and that one was more um they were looking for Sort of gruesome than anything else, and I and I learned a lot being on there, and, and just in a different appreciation for horror. And then working on Hellstrom, I got to see all of that, but just on a way bigger scale because it's Marvel. The budget is feels like unlimited, uh, yeah. and they can get very creative with uh, with some of the things that they get to do. So I, I just loved it. I'm just just a kid in a candy shop every time I got to be on set there.
0: That's very cool. Uh, now because it's Marvel, Marvel Marvel is very secretive. So mm-hmm. I found it really interesting from an acting perspective that when they gave you stuff, they didn't give you much. They, they basically give you your sides and that's it. What was it yeah. like an actor, you know, trying to make choices and get into the specifics of the role, not knowing much at all?
1: Well, it forces you to get confident in your choices, you know, and it reminds you all the things you've learned in theater school with script analysis and finding the arc of the scene and and picking up on the specific beats and these are things you don't really think about when i've been in the industry for over a decade now and that's always been things that i've practiced and i've kept uh i've kept going just subconsciously not paying attention it's muscle memory now but when it comes to here's a scene and it's just your scene you have no idea what's going on in the rest of the show for this episode for the rest of the episodes. I would show up on set and i would make strong choices and i would believe this is what uh, i i went off of the audition process in the audition process they were very specific in the type of man that Derek jackson my character was so i kept that always in the back of my head and let that guide the choices that i made so when i got on set i would sit down with the writers i would uh we'd go back and forth with our ideas i I'd let them know kind of where i was going with it and luckily it was along the same vision they had for the character as well. So it worked out really great. And I left at the end of it with uh, newfound confidence in just the choices that we make as, as performers and artists. And I believe if it's a strong choice and, and you're malleable and you're able to take feedback and, and be able to tweak it in the ways that's best for the script, then they can put you in any situation you'll make it work
0: yeah and uh I, I remember you know one of the wonderful actors that was on my show was talking about character values, right The first thing you have to discover is the values of your character and that'll drive everything else and I never kind of thought of it that way, and now I can think of anything differently because yeah. you know once you know what a value set is, that'll influence the choices. I keep going back to you know house of cards and uh you know sure. the value, huh? Great show. It's an amazing show Uh, from an acting perspective. You know, again, not my kind of energy. It's it's way too depressing for me uh, because I love people and I'm I'm a good person. But uh, uh, when you realize that his value set is he does not believe in afterlife. He does not believe in God. He believes in whatever he can do to make this particular life count the best as possible. Then all of the choices and, you know, being able to kill other people or set them up, that makes perfect sense. So right. once you can touch with that value system, that'll drive you. So I think from your perspective in the audition, they kind of told you that, you know, Derek is a family man. Derek is, you know, soft-spoken, big heart, kind of these, the value structures and characteristics that made it easier, I think.
1: I 100% agree. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, very very cool now again kind of dealing with uh, Derek does not have any powers from what I understand Uh, uh, some people around him do so uh, do you get to be in any scenes where the actor that you're working with has powers and uh, Derek has to kind of react to it and be in that world well without giving too much away for those who haven't seen it uh, I can tell you that
1: I don't have any powers I can also tell you that I'm not aware of the supernatural elements of the world that we're in, at least in the beginning of the show. Um, okay. Which is funny because I play a detective and I play a cop. <laughs> uh, and I'm seeing one of the, I have a very close relationship. I uh, I have a relationship with Chris Yen's character in the show. Um, mm-hmm. And he has an entire arc that deals with the paranormal, that deals with kind of being the fixer per se of any time Anna does something he's the one says something that shouldn't have been done he's got to clean it all up um so this is constantly happening around me and I have no idea so I think it's a refreshing take to have this sort of paranormal super super normal um world and and have that one character that it's happening around and he has to sort of navigate it and 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 try to make sense of why, you know, his partner is acting the way that he is, why his relationship dynamic with his best friend is the way that it is. And, you know, be able to move accordingly. So,
0: yeah, uh, well, again, it needs to be any show, especially a supernatural one needs to be in uh, in a, some sort of grounding. So, yeah. you know, perhaps Derek is the, is the grounding for the show, which was the cool. It was it was a cool It was a very cool experience. Very nice. All right. Um, I know you've been on a ton of other shows. Again, being in Vancouver, you get a chance to to be on the whole Arrowverse and Supergirl and all of the other stuff, which is awesome. And then you you've done some Hallmark. I think I've seen two Hallmark movies on on your uh, on your IMDb profile. So um, kind of going in and out. And I know you're a fan of uh, of, of Marvel and you're a fan of uh, comics. Um, I think Arrow. I think you did Arrow before you did Supergirl uh I did. so what was that like because i i really enjoy the whole uh aeroverse what was it like walking in i know myself i would be a fanboy and i'd need to really desperately try to put that away to actually do my job as a professional but what was right. it like for you uh for me i think it is a good mix of both
1: i'm a okay. fanboy in the sense of i appreciate the fact that i'm in uh this universe you yeah. know you, you i you I never read the um, the Arrow comics by any means, but I've watched all of the shows. I've watched right. all of the movies growing up, so I was very familiar with the character and, and how cool he was. Uh, I also love Supergirl just because Superman was one of my favorites, if not my favorite superhero when I was young. Um, so just knowing, learning about you know his cousin and, and she's become Supergirl, and I love that. And and it's, there's that base knowledge and base appreciation for being allowed into this world. Uh, But once you're there, it's like a job like any other, really. You just kind of got to show up and and put your best foot forward and
0: try not to geek out too hard. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. That that could be a problem for me. But uh, uh, the only thing that I could judge is based on the people that I've had on the show. And, uh, you know, knowing that I have a certain person coming on that I've been watching for 20 years and I Mm -hmm. love them and everything. I'm able to put all of that away and just, you know, conduct myself normally and then geek out later. So I'm hoping that, you know, if I get on that type of set, it would be similar, but I'm not sure. Who knows?
1: I had a, I had a great experience with a lady by the name of Loretta Devine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched Loretta Devine my whole life growing up. Uh, she was in, you know, Waiting to Excel. She, uh, she was in the original uh, Broadway version of Dream Girl. Um, she, she's been in just so many important films that I'd watched growing up as a child. And she got to play my mom in a film called the sweet Christmas romance, which was a lifetime film, if I'm not mistaken. And I was looking, a I I got to just work for a couple of weeks with this woman that I pretty much idolized my entire life. And in my home right now, is was literally a picture of us framed. Like that's how big of a deal it was to me. But you almost have to turn that off to a certain extent when you're on set, because I could just imagine the last thing they would want is some like geeky, you know, person fawning over them all the time, but also finding the fine balance of, you know, just being real. Look, I'm, I, I told her right when I met her, I've watched you growing up. My mother can't believe I'm on set with you right now. You get to play my mom. She's a little jealous. Um, sure. You know, thank you for your work and the way that you've inspired me growing up. And I'm really excited to work with you for the next few weeks. And then once you kind of get that out of the way, it's, you just, you get to just be peers, which, uh, which I think is, is, is the underlying current for everything that we do. We just have to remember that it's a surreal experience to be in a film with someone like that. But at the same time, it's, it made me kind of reflect on how far that I've gotten to come. And now I get to work with someone that I've gotten to watch even before I knew I wanted to be an actor, which was brilliant, it was amazing.
0: That's, that's amazing. And then uh, kind of going back to something that you did before you got into acting, you were a motivational speaker, which uh, as, as somebody who is a motivational speaker also, I love that about you. Um, but now it gives you an opportunity to add so much more when eventually you'll get back to it. And I'm sure you're going to be doing some part of it uh, moving forward. It gives you even more stories to, uh, to share, to help and motivate uh, the kids.
1: Mm -hmm. Something that I I learned early on in theater school Mm -hmm. is that interesting people make interesting artists. Mm -hmm. And you can spend all the time in the world in class and learning and on stage and doing all that stuff. But -hmm. if you don't acquire any interest, it won't fill these roles that you're doing. Uh, So when I worked at Free the Children as a motivational speaker, I'd fallen into that job. It was a complete accident. I was never looking for it. I had no interest in speaking. I had no interest in working with children, or not children, with youth. Um, and I had no idea about the organization. Mm-hmm. Something that I was really passionate about in my late teens, early 20s was spoken word poetry. And I started doing spoken word poetry as a way to mitigate the nerves that I was feeling on stage. So I was just starting getting to theater school, um, every time I did a play or any time I did a scene, I would get what I call hand tingles. You know, at the end of that experience, I would just be so amped, and so charged and a, a very unique experience that I, I wasn't able to feel anywhere else. So I started looking for that experience. And what I realized is when you're on stage and you get to perform spoken word poetry mm-hmm. for three minutes and 10 seconds, you have everyone's undivided attention and you have a power to say whatever you want. And they have no choice but to listen. So you have an opportunity to either waste everyone's time or say something worth saying that has a little bit of substance to maybe make them laugh, to make them think, to make them cry, whatever it is. And I loved it. And I absolutely loved it. So I had moved to Toronto in my early, early 20s. And, um, and I was just, I didn't know anyone. It was the middle of the winter. Uh, I was working at some cafe. I'm just trying to make something of myself in the city. I'm, I know I'm going to pursue acting out there. It's hard to find an agent at first, but I fall into the poetry world, and I start performing, and I start doing well, and um, someone in the audience in one of the shows I was I was performing in had noticed me, and I had won that that competition that night, and they approached me and said, hey, look, I work for this organization. Uh, we're speakers. We get to travel the world. We get to inspire youth, and honestly, I thought it was fake. I was like, I'm not buying what you're selling. This doesn't seem like a career. I'm not interested. Leave me alone. Uh, a few weeks later she tracked me down on Facebook and sent me a follow-up message she's like look we'd really love to see you so i come in i go in for the uh, interview process and this is a room filled with people that are right for the job you know they learn yeah we learn a little bit about each other and they're like hey my name is so and so and i just finished teaching kids in yemen how to read uh, hmm. For the first time, and I'm so and so, and I've been a teacher for this many years, and I've traveled here, and I used to help build schools for da da, da, da. and then you got me. I'm like, hey guys, I'm Hamza Fuad I'm an actor. Uh, I'm a poet, and real happy to be here. <laughs> hmm. And out of everyone, it was a group interview. Out of everybody, it was only two people in that group interview that were hired. It was myself and a, a, another artist by the name of DJ Demers, who's an hmm. amazing stand-up comedian who Everybody needs to check out. So if you're listening to this, DJ Demers, you'll die laughing. Um, so him and I were the only two that got hired, and DJ was a comedian. He had no background in this world at all. So they hire a comedian, they hire an actor, and and it just goes to show that just the type of they really invested in the right people uh, mm-hmm. versus all the experience. I'd never worked with kids before. I'd never been a speaker before, but I'm an actor, so I know what it's like to be on stage. I know what it's like to try and inspire and compel people, especially as a poet. Um, so that, that I fell into that job. And I, one of the main reasons why I took it was because I wanted to acquire interest. And back to my point, interesting people make interesting artists. So I put acting on the back burner for about five years. I got to travel the world. I got to inspire some people. I've spoken to over 100,000 youth, um, did some amazing workshops, met some of my best friends, and then it got to a point where five years pass and it's, do we keep moving up within the organization or do we put it away, acquire all the interest, um, take all the lessons and then see if we can go back to the original game plan, which is telling stories. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was, it's was it been a very amazing, pivotal, pivotal moment in my life that I, I do not regret because there's a lot of times and a lot of times artists what we do is we get caught up comparing, we get caught up um, um, wishing things were different. And for a little while I could catch myself thinking, well, those five years that I wasn't acting, look at these guys I went to theater school with. Look what they've got to do in the last five years of being dedicated and focused and grinding. They're already here. And I'm over here now and I gotta catch up. Man, was it worth it to do all that? And then you sit in it and you realize, yeah, hundred thousand percent, if you're in it for the right reasons and you work hard and you keep developing yourself and your craft, you'll end up wherever you wanna end up
0: mm-hmm. um so yeah, that's very cool. Do you still write poetry? Do you want to share any of it? I'm a poet, uh, so I'm a poet. you know
1: I'm good. you can find some stuff online i'm sure but um but no it's 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 something that i I still hold very near and dear to my heart mm-hmm. um however i don't i i i' I'm not I haven't written in a while uh, I need to I need to have a purpose too. I feel right now where it's if somebody reaches out and asks me to perform for a show or do something like that, which they still do from time to time, uh, mm-hmm. then I'll I'll hit you know pen to pad. But until then, it's just focusing on acting and and running around in this crazy world trying to stay sane.
0: <laughs> no, I, I I I got you. Um, last few things as as we wrap up, and uh, I really enjoyed uh, getting to know you. I know the audience uh, does as well. Um, I appreciate that. If I if I may put you on a fun spot just because you've been a part of both. So DC or Marvel? I'm gonna go
1: I'm gonna go Marvel because I'm on a Marvel show and it's a great comic book. <laughs> Not only that, though, but genuinely, I, I grew up with both. But Marvel has always been the one that I feel has knocked it out of the park, especially in a cinematic universe. DC is kind of getting this shit together now. They did amazing with the Dark Knight series. Uh, Aquaman was a huge success. Wonder Woman was amazing. And I think they're slowly but surely finding their way back into the right stride of things. But Marvel has been the architect, uh, archetype from day one. They have the blueprint sorted. A Spider-Man changed my life. Iron Man changed my life. Um, growing up, I was—I think my favorite comic book superhero is the Hulk um, mm-hmm. I, and Marvel. Marvel is just absolutely next level for me. So I'm going Marvel.
0: I got you. I, me, personally, I think uh, I, I love what DC has done on television. And mm-hmm. uh, I, Wonder Woman is still probably my favorite uh, superhero movie. Nice. Uh, but Marvel has more of the characters that I like and I identify with, and yeah. blown things out of the water in terms of the MCU. It's uh, I, I agree. I I pick uh, Marvel as well, not nice. just because you're on the currently on the Marvel show. <laughs> uh, and then now uh, finally, if uh, if you had a chance to play uh, any um, any superhero, you know mm-hmm. past present uh, or any future project, uh, which one would that be? I was asked that on a previous
1: show a couple of weeks ago. And my mm-hmm. answer is it's going to stay the same and I'm going to keep putting it out there in the universe and, <laughs> and hopefully one day an opportunity comes around. But I've always wanted to play Blade. Yep. Um, I've loved Blade. I've been a huge fan of the occult and and vampirism and werewolves and that whole genre of storytelling and yep. blade uh was one of the first, if not blade was the first the first time I got to see a black man as a lead in a film that dealt with things that I loved, you know, I love vampires, I love you know all of that the the myths and the lore behind it, and I got to see Wesley Snipes, a guy that looked like me, dominate and crush that role, and as much as as we give Deadpool all the love and respect, it wasn't the first R-rated film to to be a massive success in a blockbuster, it was Blade, Blade was the original. Uh, it opened up a lot of doors for opportunities for minority actors, I know that, Wesley Snipes has been one of the forefront actors, um, but he also just absolutely crushed it. And I love the story of the Daywalker, You know, the guy that you know his mom got bit by a vampire right before giving birth to him, so now he has the perks of being vampire and human, he has none of their weaknesses, all of their strengths, except mm-hmm. for the thirst. It's just a compelling character to play, and and I've always I've always dreamed of uh, just having anything to do with that world. So yeah, I picked Blade.
0: Very cool. Yeah, big fan of uh, of Wesley. Um, kind of grew up watching him. You know, he's uh, he's a martial artist, so uh, that that was also a huge part of why I loved uh, watching him. Because I, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of martial arts, too. So no,
1: Herschel Ali is going to be playing the next Blade in the uh, franchise, huh? Uh,
0: he's amazing. I talk about... You oh, Oscar, you kidding me? <laughs> no, uh, he's... I, I, I literally, I'm not sure that I've seen him in anything that I wasn't just glued to uh, his performances. He's yeah. next, next level, next level stuff. He's phenomenal. Um, uh listen i uh, keeping my fingers crossed you know maybe uh maybe an opportunity uh comes your way but yeah i, I think
1: his younger brother i don't care just get me on that movie
0: <laughs> i got you i got you well thank you so much Hamza. it's it's a real pleasure best of luck with the show uh i hope uh you know people enjoy it i hope it finds its uh its audience because awesome. idea is good um, and uh, it, it should be a fun thing to do Thank you again for your time and congratulations on your 120th
1: show in the last six months. That's unheard of. You've been grinding and killing it and I appreciate your time and every one of your listeners appreciates this show because it, it, it just inspires inspiration. It inspires inspiration. Inspires inspiration. I like that.
0: <laughs> I like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. And, uh, Thanks to everybody uh, who brings me inspiration for continuing to do that show. To uh, for tuning in and watching another episode of the Love of Acting, we thank you. Whether you are in Canada, whether you are in the United States, or I think now we're getting close to like 70 countries that watch the show, which humbles thank me. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everybody, uh, and we really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it. Bye. <laughs>